You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize. Hello, and thanks for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast, recording live via via the internet. I'm your old pal Sanders. Yeah, I'm your good buddy, Liv. And if you are keeping score at home, this is episode 155, the Back from the Dead edition. Livy, inquiring minds want to know, how you feeling, buddy? Feeling a lot better, you know? Uh, the eye's getting better and better every day. I I know the vision's not perfect completely yet, but... Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, so, so you had sent me. I I, I checked in maybe uh, a week ago or a couple of days ago and said, "How you, how you doing? How's the vision?" Um, and you said, "Good. You're at twenty forty." I was at twenty forty the Friday after the surgery, which um, what was that? I guess that was the nineteenth. You know, surgery was the sixteenth. Yep. Um, they tested me again last week, and I'm not sure what it's at. They said it's getting better, but they didn't tell me the number that day. You know, I know it's not completely 2020 yet, because when I close the eye, I can see kind of like, you know, um, a little fogginess around it, you know, but, um, and I'm still putting... Steroid drops in the eye, but it's you know I first I was putting friggin' rat three different drops in the eye four times a day in an ointment. And after I saw him the last time I saw him, he's like, "Well, we're just gonna do this drop, and then do it three times, and then then once after Tuesday, do it two times, and I'm gonna see him again Monday." And I see floaters, but that's from you know, dispersed blood up there, you know, because it was impossible to get all the blood out, you know? In general, though, 2040, that's 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 a livable condition. Do you have yeah, livable... Yeah, it's legal to drive. Yeah, so you can... It, is it fuzzy, or you just don't have the clarity at certain distance? I don't have the clarity on the outer rim, you know? Like, okay. I can see, like, right now, everything seems perfectly fine to me. But it's the one eye, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and here's just... what I was here's what I was a little confused about, because you had texted me that and I, I had relayed um a story about Ange who has horrible vision. Yep. Almost uh, almost to the point where it's like if she was a superhero, that would kind of be her kryptonite. Right? Like yep. she just can't see anything without glasses on. And I, maybe I was over exaggerating a little bit, but I don't think I was. And I said that she has something like, uh, what comes first? Okay, this is actually, this is the issue, right. So I said she has something like 220 vision. Yeah. And you said what? What was your response? Do you remember? Was it referencing the person that told me she has 2,400? You had said, well, at least she has one good eye. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, I was always under the impression that that 2020 vision means I can see at 20 feet what a normal person can see at 20 feet. A 2040 vision is I can see at 20 feet what the normal person can see at 40 feet, meaning that I have I have essentially half the vision clarity of that person. And then a 2400 vision is I see at 20 feet what a normal person sees at 400 feet. Okay. Are you under a different impression or do you have, did they tell you different information? Cause this is just one of those things that I've always taken for granted. I never and, really knew what it was based on. I just knew 2020 was oh, ideal okay. vision. Right. And I knew if you had vision, like if I knew if you had 2010, you had great, ridiculously good vision or something. Yes. You know? Okay. So typically, here's how I understand it, is that usually your eyes work in concert. If you have a strong right eye, you'll have a strong left eye. And the 2020 is not left right. So essentially, you would have 2020 vision in your left eye, 2020 vision in your right eye. When you've got impaired vision like you do, you've got 2020 vision in your right eye and 2040 vision in your left eye. Yeah. Meaning, if you were to close your left eye, you'd be able to see like you normally would, right? Yep. Yeah, okay. All right, good. Okay, okay. I thought that, that you were privy to some information that I had been taking for granted. Uh, for all these years, and it would have uh, it would have rocked my world. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have any inside information. Uh, yeah, very, very good, very good. Well, I'm glad you're getting better, buddy. Yeah, um, they did. He did put an ejection in my right eye, you know, because I mean that's what he told me last week. He's like, this is going to be a because the problem is because of all the issues, it's multi layered, you know, is it the the veins, but also the macula, you know, the swelling. He's like, basically, it's a two, it's going to be a two year process to get the swelling under control, you know. So he put a he injected the friggin' right eye with an avastatin with avastatin last week. So that's another thing. We'll see how you know they'll take more photos of the eyes and see how both of them look Monday morning. So that's fun. All right. More doctors, huh? It's the same one, you know. Here's the good news, is that you're going to run through your deductible before uh, Groundhog Day. I already before... ran through it. <laughs> there you go, man. Because just, keep, just keep going to the doctor now. Yeah, I, I already ran through it because, like, that whole thing I was telling you, I had to pay 1600 just to, just for the doctor's surgery fee, you know, and then they made me pay that three thousand when they were trying to get me to pay six thousand something, you know. And the lady, I remember, she was like, "Well, and that's not even the anesthesiologist fee yet." Um, I was expecting to get a bill in the mail. I haven't gotten a bill yet. I guess I could go on the hospital website and look, but I'm just not dying to look. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you. So I was like, "Yeah, eventually they'll send me something." I imagine it's got to be better in 2040 right now. Well, good, man. I'm thinking, because I'm just reading up on this, you know, like, I'm sure I can see 
more stuff at 20 feet than what a normal person could see at 40. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, if you were if you were that, if you were 2040 at a couple days after the surgery, I have to imagine that you're you're increasing exponentially. Yeah, I mean, I think the one issue that's holding back is, but I, but I look at, I, I'm able to look at the eye, you know, because I got to put drops in. You can see that the, you know, there's still blood up there, but not as much as there was the day after, and then a few days after, and a week after, you know. Yeah. So. It'll work. Yeah. All right. Um, but more importantly, as our buddy Bluto. Pluto's doing well. Uh, we had bad news in the family, though, because when did I go to the to the eye doctor? I went last Thursday, and um, you know my parents, my family had another Boston Terrier, Winifred, and she was she was going to turn fifteen in April. This April, she was tiny. She was a little runt. And she's basically been blind for a couple of years now. She was all getting around, but she was still getting around, even though she was blind and basically deaf, you know? But um, as we were leaving the appointment, you know, because my mother brought me, since you need somebody to drive you when you go see the eye doctor, unfortunately. Um, Maria called. She was freaking out because when he had gone into his, it was Maria's day off, you know, because she bartends. Um, Winnie was gone into a seizure, and uh, Mari's like, Oh no, she's dying, she's dying in front of me, yada, yada, yada. And she was all hysterical. So we went and picked her up from my sister, and we brought her to my house over here, you know, brought her to the backyard, and she was walking around, you know. It's like, All right, well, she's walking around, she's all right, and then my mom. Picked her up and left with her not long after that. And then, was it Friday they might have called her? My mom was perturbed because, you know, you take her to the Banfield, the pet hospital at PetSmart, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had, Bluto's got the same thing, the, the friggin' protection plan or whatever it is, the wellness plan or whatever they call it, you know? And, um... And they call because she started having another seizure, and then they start like on Friday. And my mother called Banfield, and they're like, "Oh, we don't have, we can't take her in right now. You know, we don't have time for it or whatever." My mom's like, "It's an emergency," and they're like, "Sorry, we can't do that." Mom's like, "Why have I been paying all this money for this dog for all these years?" You know. So then they drove to Mississippi with the plan to take her to the to a vet that they have over there that they used to take their animals to, just a regular country vet. And um, I don't even know if they made it to the vet over there. But uh, later on, you know, I texted them later at night. I was like, how's Winnie? And Mario's like, oh, she's all right, but she's still okay. But then, like, the next morning, Mari sent out a text message to all of us, you know, Winnie died at, like three something in the morning she started having another seizure and they held her and she just died in her arms oh what a bummer yeah so you know she was interred in the livicary family cemetery aka backyard of 2420 metairie road uh the pet pet cemetery yeah i mean 
if anybody ever excavated that backyard, depending where you are, you'll find various animals throughout, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so she was buried right behind the garage back there yesterday. You know, my brother-in-law, who's a welder, you know, uh, at Tulane, he had made he made a uh, aluminum cross for the as the marker. <laughs> Who dug the hole? My brother Chris dug the hole. Okay. Winnie was only like eleven or twelve pounds, so it didn't have to be a huge hole. Okay, all right. But he did dig the hole when our Doberman Sassy got hit by a car. That was hell. That was almost thirty years ago. Now that was that would have been. That'll be 30 years at the end of this year, because that was like in December of of 1988 that that happened. And Sassy was a Doberman, you know? And I remember when he dug that hole, you know, hell, Chris was 22, and he did that. You know, he was a lot younger. I mean, he's still in shape, but, you know, he was fucking really young back then, you know? And that thing was, he, you know, he had to dig it really fucking deep. For a 70-something pound dog. Yeah, we probably like four feet deep, right? Yeah, and I, my mother t- had to tell that story the other day about, you know, oh, that's how I'm buried Sassy back there, which was not far from where we buried Winnie the other day. And um, and the neighbor called up, because, uh, you know, when you, when you bury it, something like that, that big, you have a big mound on it afterwards, you know, because of all the displacement. And uh, the neighbor called Cherry Craig. I was like, oh, did you finally, uh, you finally did it and killed AJ? Or I know my dad is still alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was not buried in that hole, but he would have fit. <laughs> Oh man! Well, rest in peace, Winnie. Yeah. So happy, yeah, we happy trails. Sour Patch Kids and Reese's Pieces, which all the dogs like Reese's Pieces. Bluto doesn't like Sour Patch Kids because he doesn't like stuff like that. So they buried her with a box of Reese's Pieces and sprinkled some Sour Patch Kids in there, and then put her in the hole, you know, wrapped up in a shroud, and and uh, you know, she was interred. Rest in peace, Winnie. It's, it's still weird to believe she's gone, you know? I mean, when you have a dog that long, you know, she's like a member of the family, you know? You, yeah. Weird. My parents' dog is like 18 years old. Damn. That's really old. Yeah. And like Winnie. every time I'm there, yeah, like they put me on notice that this is it. Not yeah. like Oz, Oz doesn't have long to live. They're like, he's probably going to die while you're here. What type of dog is it? <laughs> Uh, just a little tiny mixed mutt. Um, well, I say it must be a small dog. I mean, Winnie was a small dog, you know. And the smaller a dog is, usually the longer they live. Yeah. yeah. You know, because they don't get all the same issues as bigger dogs, like hip dysplasia and all that shit, you know. No, he's a um, he's he's a hefty dog. He's probably 40 pounds. Okay. Um, 40, 45 pounds, but he's low profile. He's small. He's a mix between, like, every ungodly dog. You could imagine, yeah. and so. much have better health. Yes, he's yeah. definitely he's definitely much. He looks like a little uh, honey badger, okay, or a pygmy hippopotamus. Yeah. Funny thing is, 
you know, like it must have been December when I was walking through the park on the way home. I think I might have told you that story. I don't know. And one was like, oh, that's, I like your dog. You know, kooky lady sitting on the park bench in there. She's like, oh, is he a puppy? I'm like, no, no, he's old. You know, I was like, he's five, almost six. Pluto's birthday is actually Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. So I'll have that to deal with. Oh, happy birthday, Pluto. Yeah. Um, and she's like, oh, and how old did they live? I was like, oh, he, he probably lived to like 15 or so. You know, and I was just like, it was all of a sudden all this stuff going through my mind. This is before he was attacked, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, motherfucker, this is morbid. This lady has me thinking about my dog's mortality. Right. You know? It's like, right. oh, well, he's going to be around another nine years, maybe. You know? <laughs> Kind of, that's kind of depressing when you actually think about it, you know? Of course. Of course. <laughs> I was just thinking about that uh, today, but about myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, dude, I think about it a lot. It's like, dude, I've been 41 and a half years at this point. It's like, God, if I got to do this for another 40 years, ugh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right, because I, I was hashing, I was rehashing, uh, you know, another five-year plan because I'm just, uh, things tend to run in cycles, right? Three to five-year cycles is what I've experienced in my lifetime, and they tend to go in good, then either not, if they're not bad, they're at least nondescript, right? I don't want to yeah. say that every five years I'm entering a a, a rough patch, but... So I'm just rolling out of a of a five year cycle, and I can see what's ahead of me, and you know, a little light at the end of the tunnel kind of deal. So I'm putting together that plan in my mind, and I'm like, all right, well, in five years, this is what I hope you know to have to have been working towards. Blah blah. blah. I'm like, well, then I'll be fucking fifty. <laughs> yeah, I know. Fucking... Dude, last week, you know, I've been doing work with Jacob, you know. So, not last week, hell, Monday, um, we went, you know, he's like, come in, this lady, you know, who works for another client, secretary in her business, wants to, you know, she wants to talk about maybe getting a divorce, you know, and this lady's sitting there with us, and I'm looking at her, you know, and she's, I was like, oh, she seems older than me, I'm just thinking, yeah, you because know, I naturally think most people are older than me, especially people that have been married for a long time, you know? Yeah, of course. And, uh, and she's like, oh, you know, I've been married for, you know, she's like, I'm just done with it. You know, 22 years is enough. And then later on, she says, oh, it was a mistake. And, you know, she's like, we moved out in August. She's like, it's just I was 19 at the time, you know, and she's got two grown kids, you know, now and then. And then it was like near the end of the meeting, you know, and I'm just, and it dawned on me. I was like, holy fuck, 22 and 19. I mean, she was 41. I was like, fuck, I'm 41. I was like, this lady's my age. <laughs> I was like, this, and, and after she, and then I looked at her ID, you know, because it took a copy of her ID, you know, and she was basically a year older than me. She was born in 1975, you know, and after she left, Jacob and I were talking about it. It's like, dude, yeah, she's lived a full life. You know, it's crazy, you know? Yeah. Meet somebody that's already lived this full life, you know? You've been married to this dude longer 
you've spent your life married to him longer than you, you know, more than half of the time you've been alive. That's crazy. Yeah. But you know what? There's, there's, there's a you're seg- my age, a year older than me. There's a segment of the population, you know, that, that fits that profile. And they're like, grandmothers at 40 something. Yeah. My but mother what- was, my parents were 17, 22. And then 18 when the first one was born, you know? So it's like, I remember I used to be like, okay, what what was my mom when she had me? My mom was 30, you know? But my dad was 36, you know? But then there was two other kids after that. It's like, all right, well, all right. I don't have a kid by 36, and that's how old my dad was when I was born, you know? It's like, oh, no kid by 38 when the next one was born. And then my dad was, hell, he was five months away from turning 40 when Mari was born. It's like, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> and I always thought he was an old dad. You know, it's like, if I ever have kids, I will be the old dad. But of course, it's common now, but it's still weird to me because I didn't grow up in the world of the super old dads, you know? Yeah, I mean, super look at Reardon. <laughs> Reardon's got a, like a two-month-old. What's that? Reardon's got, like, a two-month-old. Yeah, I know. And, like, I was thinking about a girl I know from law school. Um, she's probably five years younger than me, but her husband's, you know, eight to nine years older than me. He's closer to my brother's ages, you know, and they have a couple of kids, and I think the youngest one was probably born, like, a year and a half ago, you know? Yeah. And it's crazy. Because I remember when we were in Europe, and I, what was I? I was 30, gone 31 at the time when... uh. And I was lamenting being old, you know? And she's like, oh, don't worry. My boyfriend, George, is 38 or 39 or whatever he was. <laughs> and he's a great guy. It's just, plus he's a great guy because his middle name is Otto. Unironically. Yeah, well, it's a family name because he's, right. he's like the third or fourth or something, you know? Nice. But I was like, oh, that's great. Your middle name's Otto, you know? I guess funny for that to be a family name, though. I think that's, that's, that's the only way you get that name. Yeah, unless you're the bus driver in the Simpsons or a friggin' wonderful mascot. A quarterback for the New York Giants. The Browns. Otto Graham? Otto Graham? Yeah. yeah. I think he played for the Giants, too, didn't he? But I think he's his... probably shrined as a Brown, primarily. His salad days, as they say. Yeah, because I always remember the picture. Otto Graham, you know, it's like him in a locker room or some photo or whatever. You know, black and white photos. Yeah. You know, he's from the heyday. Like, I guess probably the pre-Jim Brown or something, you know. When the Browns are making the transition from being in, what was it, the All-American Football League maybe or something? The one that, you know, the I think the Colts and the yes. 49ers came from that league. Yeah, you know? the AAFC. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but my brother Chris is last year, you know, he talked about being 50. It was when he turned 50 in 2017 when he made me think about that. He's like, you know, he's like, I was like, oh, happy birthday. You're 50. He's like, you know, it's like, he's like, I used to think, oh, I'll live till I'm 100. And it's like, now I'm thinking to myself, man, I really got to do this for another 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> It is exhausting when you think about it. Yeah, so I try not to think about it. Yep, yep, amen. So I got a couple things uh, that I wanna that I wanna cover. There, 
they're really three individual uh, snippets that I want to run by you. Um, I've had a relatively active social life last month or so, obviously with the holidays and yeah, know, yeah, people are, are busy, but, but I've had a couple outings and I want to get your take on a couple things. All right. I want to get, I know you've got an opinion on a couple things. Oh. And one is just an amusing anecdote. So if you'll indulge me, I'm going to run through each of these topics and, and we'll, we'll tackle them one at a time. Um, first of which is my trip to see Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, all right. So we haven't talked about it. No, we got wrapped up in a bunch of stuff. So a couple, maybe a year ago or so, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what came first, the telescope or the astrophysicist. But my dad got heavily into astrophysics. He was a smart guy. He's an engineer. So he tends to gravitate towards, you know, headier topics. Um, You know, he reads a lot and got a varied, um, varied interests. So it wasn't a surprise that he got into Neil deGrasse Tyson because he's kind of popularized smart talk right he's kind of made it mainstream especially with podcasts and and youtube and and television appearances etc etc so about a year ago he started to get really into neil degrasse tyson and my dad's not he's very unassuming he's not impressed very easily and and i think that's there's a number of reasons I think some of it is environmental, some of it's upbringing, some of it is uh, intuitive, but in general, he's a guy who has four kids that he put through college and raised without any with, without any real catastrophe, right? So yeah. to me, he's a guy that is very singularly focused. So you don't have a lot of time to be impressed by shit when you're making sure your kids have braces. And are getting, you know, to college on time, right? Yep. So, you know, and he's lived through some eras. You know, Mickey Mantle's his favorite baseball player. But he just talks about Mickey Mantle like he's just some baseball player. And he loves he's not Yeoman. easily impressed. Not saying. easily impressed, not at all. But when it comes to Neil deGrasse Tyson, he's like, like a little kid. Hmm. He swoons. He swoons over Neil deGrasse Tyson the way uh, you and I once swooned over Julie Bayheim on the streets of New Orleans. Oh, all right. Just that specific time, because I believe we still swoon over her, the concept of Julie Bayheim. Yes, yeah, yeah. But that time we talk about it, and I still feel the, the awestruck nature of that, of that interaction, right? Yep. Like it was, it's surreal. And, and that's kind of the way my dad talks about Neil deGrasse Tyson. And he, he, he really gets into him. So Neil deGrasse Tyson was doing a spoken word 
event here in Asbury, actually here in New Jersey. It was a like co-op. a poetry slam. Like a, it was exactly like a poetry slam. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd probably pay to see that. Um, he did a night up at the New Jersey Performing Arts Center, which is a, kind of a hoity-toity place up in uh, in Newark, of all places, which is one of the worst cities in America. But they've got this this arts district that. That's not true. Cory Booker was their mayor. It's the Paris of New Jersey. <laughs> Maybe it's the Paris, Texas of New Jersey. <laughs> certainly not the Paris, France. I'm sure uh, people in Paris, Texas wouldn't be so psyched to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so the people that run the, the, um, the boardwalk and all the venues down here partnered up with the city of Newark and had him do one of the two nights down here. So my dad's looking for tickets and oh no, he just ran I randomly texted him one day and said, um, hey, you know what are you doing this afternoon? Can you help me out with something? He says, Yeah, well, I'm on my way to Asbury Park. I'm gonna pick up tickets to go see Neil deGrasse Tyson. I said, Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Who who are you going with? Because that's just something you go to by yourself, right? And I know my mom yeah. is not isn't is not interested in Neil deGrasse Tyson, nor does she want to sit in a theater chair for any amount of time. So yeah. I kind of invite myself along on this along on this uh, on this outing. What I didn't realize at the time was that he was eyeing the VIP meet and greet experience. So I just didn't talk myself into some like, you know, $45 upper upper level balcony seat ticket. I talked myself into second row front and center meet and greet couple hundred dollar tickets. <laughs> and yeah. it's one thing. I guess one thing to be out to dinner with my parents and them pick up the check. Right, there's a joke. the The running joke in the DeSantis family is that the oldest person at the table picks up the check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's one thing. But to kind of talk my way into this this extravagant treat that my dad was gonna was going to give himself, uh, I feel kind of bad. I feel kind of bad. But didn't stop me from going. Didn't stop him from buying it. We're all uh, full steam ahead on this outing. So in my mind, I start to prep for the event. Do you do that? Like, okay, uh, it's going to be on Friday night. All right, here's what I'm going to do during the day. I'm, I got, I'll do work till 2, then I'll shower, and then, all right, then we'll go there. But I don't want to get there too early, so let's try to... Maybe we'll go out and get something to eat before and try to get in there at 7. And I look up the seats on where the seats yeah. are going to be. And I've got this whole mental picture on how this is going to go down. I don't think that's unreasonable. No, not at all. I, no, think, that, I think that's a, that's, that's a relatively normal occurrence, right? Yeah. Well, this is where I kind of get myself in a little bit of trouble. So I'm, I'm all set. I'm ready to go. Um, 
I'm doing some work during the day, and I get a text from my mom, and she says, you should really look up this meet and greet thing, because I know your father doesn't have any of the information, and I've seen online that it's, that, that he should have extra tickets, or something along the lines, leading me to believe we've got a problem. Is the meet and greet before the event? Is the meet and greet after the event? Like, there's some ambiguity here. So this is like, this is You're like saying, me- like your mom's basically like your father just bought these tickets and he doesn't even know what he bought, really. Yeah, and now it's your problem, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yep. So she washes her hands of it. She's good to go because she put me on the case. So now for four hours, I'm. I'm fretting. I'm doing the research, not because I necessarily care, but but I know I know that my dad has been looking forward to this forever. Yep. And that if this gets fucked up, I'm going to feel his pain for him. Yeah. And 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 I feel enough of my own pain. <laughs> right? So oh, I want to yeah. make sh- I want to make sure this goes off without a hitch. So I'm doing the research, et cetera, et cetera. He shows up to my house. He comes in, and he's all dressed, you know, pretty handsomely, like he's going to meet, you know, a world-renowned astrophysicist. And um, I said, hey, listen, I don't know what the deal is. Um, There's the meet and greet, but we don't, do you have tickets for it? What's the deal? Blah, blah, blah. And he says, ah, no, that's fine. Don't worry about it. It's going to be after. It's always after, blah, blah, blah. And and he's real nonchalant about this, which should be my cue to also be nonchalant about this, right? Yep. I'm the passenger on this ride. And if he's not worried about it, I shouldn't be worried about it. But that's not how it works. I get extra ramped up. Because like extra, he, like nervous? Y- yeah, because he's not worried about it. So now I'm worried. I have to worry for both of us. Yeah. You know, so I'm trying to play it cool, but I don't like play he's it. he's not taken seriously enough. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> right? And I'm trying to play it cool, but I don't play it cool very well. It, when I'm agitated, I am noticeably agitated. So um, we make a few phone calls. We do, we do a little research, or we. I make a few phone calls. I do a little research. And I come to a satisfactory conclusion that nobody knows what's supposed to happen with this meet and greet. The venue doesn't know. The promoter doesn't know. Live Nation doesn't know. And that's good enough for me. If they don't know, I can't be expected to know. Because like that's the before or after? Yeah, even? exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I'm okay with that. If nobody knows, then there's no way I can know. My problem comes in the fact that when I'm supposed to know something or I should have reasonably known something. Worst thing I ever learned in the world was the reasonably prudent person standard. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I'm always fucking measuring myself against the the fictitious reasonably prudent person who in this yeah, day and age does not exist. Person now. Right? In this day and age, they don't exist. So it's a never-ending battle. So we come to the conclusion that it's no big deal. And um, we'll just go there. And he's cool. My dad's cool with the whole thing. So we go. I don't think we ate. I think he I think he just showed up and and we went. Oh, no, no. We went down. We had a burger. Yeah, I think we had a burger and a beer down at the Bond Street Bar. Um, a couple blocks down from my house. Had a real nice 
real nice interlude and um we drive on over to the to the theater and we park and we walk in and i said well we got to go over here cuz paramount theater is uh the entrance is on this side and he said and we're walking toward convention hall so do you remember going downtown i'm sorry do you remember going to the boardwalk yeah remember where we took the pictures in the little uh booth Yep. Yeah. I'm at the Paramount Theater now, right? Yeah. So the Paramount Theater's on the left. The convention hall's on the right. Yep. And as we're walking up, in my mind, I know the seat that I'm going to sit in in Paramount Theater. And it's an old classic theater with the balcony and the mezzanine and the. And, Wait, you this know. is. I'm sorry. Yeah. This is the night of the thing? Yes. Wait, who drove to the. My dad. All so, right. it, it, you know, it's. It's about a half a mile. Um, yeah, you know, it's close. Three, three quarters of a mile, but it was cold out. Um, I think the weather wasn't very good, so we drove over. We park, walk up to the thing, and as we're walking up to the thing, I start to veer to uh, to Convention Hall, and my dad said, where are you going? I said, I'm sorry, I start to veer to Paramount. And he said, where are you going? I said, here, we got to go up to Paramount Theater Steps. And he said, no, it's in Convention Hall. So right there, I haven't even stepped in the building and my entire night gets blown up. Because in my mind, not only was, in my mind's eye, I knew where I was sitting. I knew that those were comfortable seats. Yeah. As we're going into convention hall, it dawns on me that the VIP area the first, the second row, center aisle, are nothing but folding chairs. Oh, Lord. Here's what I learned last summer, that was actually two summers ago, is that most mainstream commercial products have a weight limit of 250 pounds, a printed weight limit of 250 pounds. Yeah, I know. I got like a step stool and that's it. It's 250 pounds, you know? That means they can mostly have a maximum weight limit of about 275 pounds fairly easily. Yep. What they cannot readily hold is nearly 300 pounds. And that's where I've been battling last year or so. So, not only do I automatically start to freak out because I'm going to have to sit in these chairs, I'm also going to be in the center of the aisle with people on both sides of me. Yeah. So, we go in and we go into the second row. I mean, how can you enjoy yourself when you're worried about the seat collapsing and then friggin' imposing on the person sitting next to you? This is it. And we're there probably because we wanted to make sure that we didn't miss the meet and greet. We're there about 30 minutes early. Right? So where do we go? Straight for the seats. Wait. So let me just interrupt real quick. <laughs> yeah. What, what yeah. happened to the uh, Newark show? That... I'm sorry that uh, uh, that was 
It was a non sequitur. He just played there. Oh, was, all right. I thought this was. I thought part of the story was going to go, and then we realized, no, it's in Newark, <laughs> <laughs> and that y'all actually missed the thing, you know. Yeah, I th- the 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 real point of that was that um, Neil deGrasse Tyson probably doesn't come to Asbury Park on a a stop on his tour, yeah, unless it's in conjunction with with Newark. Yeah, which is funny because he's in New York City, you know. Correct. Correct. Right. Yeah. So, so we sit down, and these seats. Okay, so they were because they were the VIP seats. They were a little better than the normal seats. The normal seats that were in rows, you know, whatever six through forty, were those really, really thin gauge metal. And this is all because it's in convention hall. It's in convention hall and Which not probably Paramount you're Theater. able to put a lot more seats in there than the seats that are already in place in the Paramount Theater, right? That's really what it came down to, we think. Yeah. Um, but it's strange because it's not a traditional configuration. It's um picture uh, you know, a basketball, a traditional arena seating bowl. Yeah. It's it's a small arena. You walk in, you would walk in at at center court. Yep. So that's where the tunnel is from the box office. You're walking. Did they, under- just, did they just remodel Convention Hall? Nah, it's relatively it's relatively old and ratty. Okay. Um, but they still have events there. They still, you know, they'll they'll have wrestling tournaments and basketball and, um, you know, the 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 venue itself is pretty decent. Okay. So you walk in and and it's the tunnel with seating. You know, the upper. The upper bowl seating is above you, and probably seats, uh, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000, something like that. And then if you put the seats on the floor, you probably get about, you know, 2,500, 3,000 people. Okay. But the stage is not at the baskets. It's on the other sideline. It's on the wide end of the arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, even if you have a front row seat and you're on the wings, you're pretty far off center yeah. stage. Yep. And if you've got the side seats, if you've got the side stage seats in the seating bowl, you're really far away. So, it's strange, and the majority of the people are on these folding chairs on the floor. And they're, you know, they're that real thin gate. You know what I'm talking about? Like the wedding, like if you go to an outdoor wedding. Yeah, I know. I have a feeling. I know what you're talking about. All right. Luckily, the VIP seats. I think those seats, are like the seats. Years ago, right right when she started blowing up, I went to see Amy Schumer at the House of Blues like on a Sunday evening. And it was general admission, but I just assumed it was going to be you getting there in their seats. But... You got in there, and all there were, they had folding seats, but there weren't enough for everybody. But luckily, I got in there early enough to get a seat. But it was just like those flimsy yes. folding chairs that they have at places like that that normally don't have seats for stuff. Yep. Not the ones you'd have in your cafeteria. Not the ones yeah. that your grandmother had in the basement. Yep. We're talking... Uh, I got one online. Let's see. Give you some specs. It is a... 
overall dimensions, uh, 18 inches deep by 17 and a quarter inches wide. Yeah. That's a small... Yeah. That's a small seating platform, right? So, luckily, in the first five seats, uh, first five rows, they had a little bit of a better quality seat. They were those... um, Remember the old wooden folding chairs? Yep. With the slats? Yeah. They were, they were more like that, but they were made out of like a composite plastic. Like a okay. resin kind of seat. They were something you would probably have if you went to like an outdoor church. Yeah. All right. They were nicer quality. Uh, but still, the weight capacity on a commercial uh seat is only is there uh, is only 250 pounds i don't care what what it's made out of right yeah. cuz they're they're using cheap rivets and cheap joints and hinges to keep these things together that's how you can mass yeah, produce them cheaply right? made chinese made friggin folding chairs so I, my dad goes in and he sits down he doesn't even think twice about it so now for the half hour before the show starts, I'm like basically levitating on my seat, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to like hold my, I'm trying to keep my body in as straight of a position as possible. This way my weight is evenly dispersed and I'm not putting any pressure on on on, on a weak spot of the chair, right? I'm sitting smack dab in the middle of the chair. And I'm sitting straight up and down, trying to keep myself as elevated as possible. And my dad's trying to talk to me, but I'm, I'm like, I'm having none of it. You know, I'm just yeah. so, I'm just so stressed about this chair breaking. So, I'm, and the other thing that I'm, I'm dealing with it is I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for the guy to come sit next to me. <laughs> right that's the I, worst and yeah. i guarantee he's gonna be a big secretly f- thinking oh i hope he doesn't show up oh maybe he's not gonna show up i i don't i don't know what i had done right that day maybe it was because i was feeling such anxiety about wanting my dad to have a good time that the spirits or the karma or the the force was with me because the lights go down he comes out on stage and the seat next to me remained empty Nice. Not only did the seat next to me remain empty, the other seat, the two seats next to me remained empty. So what I figured was obviously those two people were together, and because the weather was a little bad, there was a decent probability that they weren't going to show up. Yeah. So for... About 15 or 20 minutes into the show, I'm still kind of, like, stressing about somebody showing up and my seat collapsing. It's like a double whammy. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, finally, I'm comfortable enough to know that they're not going to show up. So, I do the kind of, like, half-cheek man spread sit, you know? Yeah. Like the subway spread. My legs are kind of on that other chair to kind of disperse the weight a little bit. 
and I do the old, um, you know, like, uh, you know, you do that, that twist, turn, lean where your, your, your elbows hanging off the back of the chair and you're almost sitting sideways. Yep. So I've got that posture. <laughs> I got that posture and I had to hold that for, uh, you know, for, for the entire show, which went on forever. Yeah. It was like a two hour show and about an hour and a half into it or so, he's like, oh, you guys are probably bored. I don't want to bore you with any other stories, blah, blah, blah. And everybody's like, no, keep going, keep going. <laughs> and I'm like, and now at this point I have to piss. It's like, oh my God. And with all that, I was able to enjoy the show. I was able to have a good time. I thought that he was engaging. I understand why people like him, and I understand why he's the, you know, the spokesperson for, you know, he's 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 an astrophysics rock star. He buys into it. Yeah, he, he's he's a cult of personality, uh, and he's you know he definitely buys into it. But I thought he was genuine, and I thought he was a he was a good guy. He puts on a good presentation, you know. He does. Now I know I know that you've got some beef with him. But there's a there's a an epilogue to the story. So before we before we get into that, I wanna let me let me tell you I do survive. I make it through. All right, that's All right. Good. I make it through the show. And now it's time for the meet and greet. But we still have no information on the meet and greet. So we start to walk out and we see some ven uh some of the security people that kind of push us in the right direction. And we figure out where we need to be for the meet and greet, and it's all set. They actually are doing the meet and greet in Paramount Theater, which is totally fucked up. <laughs> right? It should be the other way around, but whatever. Yep. Now, <laughs> so we get in line, and I've had to piss at least two or three times during this show that I've managed to hold it. And, um,. I'm relieved at that fact, but I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was all of the endorphins being released or the adrenaline stopping pumping from the stress that I was under (laughs) just from sitting. I don't know if I was nervous for my dad. I, I don't know what it was, but my stomach became incredibly upset. And I had to take a shit. <laughs> and we're standing in the VIP line to go take the pictures with with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. And I convince myself that I can hold it. Which is the worst thing I can ever convince myself. Because I can never hold it. I, yeah. might, as well, I might as well be a four-year-old. <laughs> right? Once I feel the urge to go, regardless... Of what it is, I need I need to expel. So, um, we're standing in line, and about fifteen minutes goes by. But I didn't want to leave the line because, well, if they get called in, I don't want to screw my dad, you know. But I'm like, Dad, I can't, I can't hold this anymore. I have to go. I have to go to the bathroom. He's like, Oh, that's okay. All right, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So I run in to convention hall. I go back to convention hall. It had cleared out. Luckily, the restrooms were, were relatively clear. But you ever have that? You ever that emergency situation that you just want to 
just want to kind of get through it real quick. Yeah. But, but you don't alleviate the emergency, and you end up setting yourself up for an emergency ten minutes later. Okay. That's what I did. You know? <laughs> so I rushed through the first wave. And I'm like, all right, I can get back out there. Oh, okay, I get back out there, and I'm standing there. But my stomach had still hadn't settled. Oh, man. And I'm like, five minutes go by, and I'm like, well, I can't go. I got to wait. And at this point, they had already come to check tickets to make sure that you were in the right spot and you had your bracelet on or whatever it was. So I wait a few minutes. I wait a few minutes. We're not making any movement. And I'm like, Dad, I got to go again. I'm sorry. <laughs> And at this point, he's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, I gotta go. So I run back in. And same thing. I just literally repeat the, the first sequence again for the second time. And I come back in line. About five minutes go by. And again, I get another wave. And I'm like, Dad, I, re- I apologize. I don't know what the problem is. If you get to go in, just go in. You don't have to worry about me. He's like, no, 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 I'll wait. I'll step out of line, whatever, blah, blah, blah. We're like the fifth person in line, you know? Yeah. I don't want to ruin this for him. So now I'm getting nervous that I'm going to ruin it for him. So now that's compounding the situation, you know? Jeez. <laughs> so I go. So you're standing in line to, to meet him? Yes. Yes, you get to meet him and get a picture taken with him. And all of which I could care less about, you know? So it's not like I'm going to meet, I don't know, pick a celebrity that I would care about. I don't even know if there is one. But let's say, let's say I was going to go meet Jim Beheim. Presuming we had not already met him on the streets of New Orleans. Presuming we didn't win a championship and it was four in the morning on Burst. Correct. Correct. (laughs) So... There's no reason for me to be nervous. I don't listen to his podcast. I've never read his books. But for some reason, I've got myself all worked up. And so I go, I leave line, the line. But you're going to take a picture with him and your dad, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So I leave line, the line three times to go to the bathroom. Luckily, it obviously takes a long time to get that situation all set up. So, um, my stomach had calmed by the time they wave us in and they wave you in like two or three at a time. And then you go in and you walk up and they've got the setup. It's real professionally done. He's standing in front of a, um, you know, like a step and repeat backdrop kind of thing. Yeah. And they take your coats from you. So you're not like, you know, you're, you're not all bundled up taking a picture with them. You're in your regular clothes and you actually look like you were hanging out with them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So he, um, you know, he's very gracious and very personable. Um, my dad had been practicing what he was <laughs> going to say to him, you know. And uh, he had come up with something over Thanksgiving that he ran by me. And I was like, no, nah, that's not good. That's not good. So I gave him a line. And he liked that, but he, he improved upon it. And uh, it, was, it was great to see, you know. Like he's sitting in the mirror in the morning. Yeah, exactly. uh, putting, out, putting out his hand. Hello, Dr. DeGrasse Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> so my dad drops the line, which is something along the lines of, I'm, I, I, I'm not easily starstruck, but I, 
I mean, I'm going to make an exception or you've, you're the guy or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so he, he delivers it, you know, delivers the line pr- perfectly. Uh, my dad's pretty smooth under those, under the circumstances. Um, he delivers the line, shakes his hand. We get our picture taken. I go to step off and, and, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson says, wait, wait, hold on one second. I got, I got, uh, I wanted, I want to take one more. And he, he grabs like my dad by the beard, by like the cheeks. And he's like, you know, he's, you know, he's doing shenanigans with them and they snap, yeah. the, they snap the shot. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's thrilled. And, um, we, you know, we walk out and, you know, I figured, no, my dad's going to be, you know, he's going to be flying high. Right. Yeah. But no, he transitioned right back into, you know, everyday Phil. <laughs> I back into stoic. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. I'm like, oh, are you going to get that picture? He's like, ah, oh, nah, they probably charge you for it. but to him it was just good enough to see him good enough to hear him and good enough to to you know to meet him and get to shake hands and drop his great you know drop his line so i was excited that was it was good i enjoyed myself i had a great time um but it was nice you know it was nice to see that you know when good stuff happens to your parents yeah you're like, you know what? After all that guy or all that girl's been through, ah, good on them. You know, they 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 deserve that one. Did Neil deGrasse Tyson badmouth the concept of the supermoon? <laughs> so a couple things. Um, I don't mind him badmouthing that because, like, I didn't even go. I didn't wake up early in the morning to check out the moon the other day. I was like, I'm in bed. I'm not. I could have. I heard the garbage men picking up the garbage. I was like, oh, theoretically, this is the best time to go see an eclipse. And this has only happened in uh, every hundred something years. I'm like, yeah, but bed is comfortable. (laughs) So um, he started the show. It was almost like a lecture. He's got a computer. He's got a PowerPoint. He's just running through through slides. And um, the first slides are... The first says uh, Pluto. Yeah, because that's a big controversial thing. Yeah, so he he runs through. He runs through. Pluto is not a planet. Get over it. Yeah, like that's how he He starts. He shows you the hate letters and yes, a drawing from like grade school kids and stuff. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So he uh, he runs through that, and then he he introduces the the lecture topic, which is. uh, life in outer space, life in the universe. And he says, I, I have a bunch of lectures. And when, when somebody wants me to come speak, um, I send them the packet and they check off what lecture they want me to deliver. And I deliver the lecture. So obviously he's got, you know, he's been doing this for years and he's got a bunch of material that he works through, etc. And he said, ah, to be honest, I don't know why everybody doesn't pick the Star Wars one. Apparently he's got an entire lecture yeah. where he debunks the sci-fi genre. Which Why I... doesn't I pick that? Because people enjoy their movies. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but I would have found that interesting. Because he's funny, yeah. I think that, that he would have delivered that material on a subject matter that I find entertaining. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he does it in an entertaining way. You know, but still, people, you know, I don't think people have an interest in, like, questioning Star Wars. You know? Uh, I, I agree. I don't think it's on the top of everybody's mind. Oh, you know what? I'd really be interested to see why this isn't real. Yeah, I'd be well, like, there's not fires in outer space like that. Yeah, I mean, I realized it wasn't real when I was, like, eight, and there was a seven-foot-two talking dog. Yeah. Right, so um, I'm okay with suspended disbelief. Um, I, I would have th- probably... It would have made me more interested in the subject matter, in the in the fantasy subject matter, to contrast it to some type of reality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. I have the suspended disbelief for the movie already. You can throw anything at me, and I'm still going to create that alternate mindset. Yeah. You, you follow me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but he didn't. He did the. He did a. It was a very relatively academic lecture, um. You know, at least for me, um. But very interesting, and it, he's you know he weaves a, a a a good tale. Yeah, I mean, I know it's not supposed to be super academic, but if it's not like your your bailiwick, it is academic. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, he's 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 he's. he's putting forth the hypothesis that there is, there was, or there can be life on Mars because all you need for life is A, B, and C, and here is evidence of A, B, and C, and hey, maybe you don't even need C. And, you know, he kind of works through it, and, you you know, that that's a relatively serious topic. Yeah, it's not all hucks and yucks, <laughs> <laughs> and he managed to keep my attention for it. And I don't, you know, listen, if it's not, you know, Sir Richard Attenborough or Sir David Attenborough, I always forget which which Attenborough. I think it's Richard. Richard is the uh, the na- the naturalist, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe that's David. At- that's David. I think Attenborough, that's David also. Attenborough. If it's not David yeah. Attenborough, and he's got a new thing out because. Planet Earth Two or whatever. I think yeah. it's on Netflix or something. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're yeah. right. Um, unless it's him narrating it, I don't necessarily have the stomach for scientific or or nature. You know, it's funny. That's like when they came out with the Planet Earth, and then they, you know, they did the first one or whatever. Then they did like a follow up or whatever, and the follow up, the big thing was, oh, they got Oprah now or something, and it's like. I don't know, man. I have a hard time watching any nature show that doesn't have a British guy's voice. Exactly. You know, even if it's just some random British guy, because that's why I always remember being like, turned on like PBS and be like, you know, in the Lion of the Serengeti. You know, it's just like, I had a hard time, I always had a hard time watching uh, black and white documentaries about World War II and World War I if it was an American accent. It's like, sorry, stuff just doesn't have the same gravity if there's not a Austere British voice narrating, you know? <laughs> right, because it, it's like they invented the genre. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And their so their culture and their society is so old that I always take anything that they say on face value as true. Yeah. Plus, they have such more eloquent use of the language. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, 
so he he comes very close to being able to deliver that type of material because he does it in such a way that's that's really to me i i know you saw him at some point in your in your travels um he does it in a way that's devoid of of smugness yeah but establishes his authority that's tough to do right you can't you um, you can't pull the audience in unless they believe that you're the authority in the topic regardless of what the topic is right you could be a stand up comedian and if you're just slinging hash the audience is going to be like that's bullshit yeah w- whether it's funny or not you know but you have to command their attention and and he does that but that's tough to do without being smug right yeah, 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 and I thought he did it. I thought he did it. He did, did it. Did he have yeah. question and answer at all? No, thank okay. God. <laughs> thank God. Yeah. See, when I saw him, it was at Tulane, so I mean, it was theoretically put there for the students, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he did have the question and answer, you know. And to be honest, I'm glad he didn't. I have very little interest in in question answer type of events like kevin smith does speaking of the polar opposite of of neil degrasse tyson um kevin smith does a a spoken word question answer um now he does it i've seen it a few times where he essentially takes the first question and then just does the whole show based on the first question Kevin Smith? Yeah, he's got material. Like, he starts out with questions? Yes. Like, he's like, ask me a question. Like, he doesn't give a presentation, have a question and answer. No, he gives, like, a little intro. Oh, man, hey, welcome to Asbury. Oh, man, Asbury, thanks for having me, you know? You know what's funny about that? Not about that particular question and answer. Like, anytime you're in a forum where you get the opportunity to ask questions, you know, like a traditional, like a classroom or something. I was talking about this with. Jacob just the other day, because um, a few weeks ago, it was probably the week before the surgery, um, this friend of mine, you know, who I've been friends with since I went to law school, she's on all these boards and everything, and she's on this young person's, young professional's board or whatever it is at the World War II Museum, so they were in some event, you know, and she's like, you can come, blah, 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 and then you know, what they're really trying to do is try to get you to buy tickets to the big fundraiser, you know, at the thing. But they have uh, the guy who's like the friggin' leader. He's a former college professor who was hired as the chief of education or whatever at the museum. He gives this presentation, and they have all these pretentious young professionals, which I'm in there as part of, you know. <laughs> Sitting there and they like ask questions. It's time if you want to ask questions. And she hits me. She's like, "Yeah, you can ask questions." I'm like, "Yeah, it's fine. I'm not going to ask questions." And of course, all these people start asking questions. And they and it's like they're not asking questions because they're really curious about. No, the they're asking questions because they want to let people know how smart they are. That is exactly why I was glad they didn't answer. They didn't have a question and answer. Yeah, I they were. That. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying I hate it. Like, 
And, and this is another thing. The event I was at, I think it was probably 100%, well, not 100% white, because the girl I was with isn't 100% white, but she was probably the <laughs> the most diverse of the thing. And they got some guy, of course, raising his hand, giving this whole, uh, asking this whole question, like he, you know, that you know he really doesn't care about, but he's virtue signaling, you know? Yeah. That he really cares about the downtrodden peoples, you know, and people of color and stuff like that. And, you know, asking how this relates to their battle for equality, uh, what was going on in World War II with their battle for equality back in the U.S. And it's like, you don't care about this. You just want people to think you're some friggin' wise, woke, friggin' liberal dude, you know? Yeah. Exactly. They, there's always a preamble to the question. Yeah. So you know exactly where he stands, and how smart he is. That's why I was glad there was no, there was no question answer because there were four. I, I hypothesize that there were four classes of people there. One were the people who were actually smart. Yep. Then there were the people who thought they were smart and in category number one, but really weren't. Then the type of people who thought going to something like that would make them smart or appear smart. Yeah. And then people who were just there for a good time and wanted to have a different type of experience and they would, you know, follow along as best they could and, you know, take away whatever it is they could take away. So with three classes of people all edging towards the I want to be smart, it would have been insufferable to listen to the questions that they would have had. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, because people are dying to show off how bright they are. <laughs> so that was Whether my... Whether they uh, really are or not, you know. That was my big night out. That was what bothered me, too, when I was at that thing. Because before that, you know, you're sitting there with, like, 30 other people in this room or whatever it was. And they're like, go around. Everybody say what your name is, where you live, what you do. So, of course, I'm the first person because I, I was sitting in the front row. Not that I wanted to. It's just that I was, really didn't know too many people over there. And that girl sat in the first row. I was like, all right, well, I got to sit in the first row. So they come to me first. Of course, I make a joke. I'm like, oh, my name's Matt. I'm a cancer, you know, and I say where I live. And I'm an attorney. This one guy in that, this guy, and he annoys the hell out of me because I, I am aware of his presence in the city. I'm aware of people who are friends with him. But I think he's such a, you know, he's one of these guys who's doing stuff to, like, be known, you know, and acts like he's acts like he's all altruistic, but you know there's a motivation behind everything he does, you know? Sure. And he announces his name. And he announces he doesn't announce that he he's an attorney. He announces, I'm an attorney and he at the law firm he works at. I won't say it, you know, here. But but it's like he's doing that because he wants people to say, oh, he's an attorney at that law firm, you know, because it's one of these hoity-toity yeah. firms, you know? And it's just like, all right, everybody before you just said the general description of their job, and you announced your job and where it's at, you know? Right. 
you're the outlier. You obviously you're doing that for a reason because you want us to know how important you are. You're you're at that big firm. You must be really big shit. You know, and of course he asked a question of the professor later on. You know? It's just I want to smack people like that. <laughs> I think it should be okay to. Yeah. You know? I don't know. It's like when you meet those people that went to an Ivy League school that will let you that will go out of their way to let you know that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the worst. The worst. The worst, Jerry, the worst. <laughs> All right, so that was your big outing. And when was that? That was last week? No, that was uh that was last month sometime. All you're right. Getting, well, I'm glad at least you made Phil's night, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and he uh he definitely he had a great time and uh I think it was uh, you know, as close to a bucket list item as he has. I don't think he's got many bucket yeah. list items, but that was uh that was it. Uh, I got a couple more things. I'm going to hold on to them. We're, we're running a little long in the tooth. Yeah, but... I know. We've been on here for a while, huh? Yeah. I um, We'll, we'll revisit them at some point. They're evergreen stories. They're, they're timeless. Damn, we've already been an hour and a half. Almost. Hey, listen. You know, what, you know what they say. Once you start talking about Neil deGrasse Tyson, you can't stop. Yeah, this is as long as Neil deGrasse Tyson lecture. <laughs> uh, a couple, though, a couple notable... Couple notable items. Um, mark your calendars, kids. The um, the Academy of Motion Picture Awards, otherwise known as the Oscars, are yep. uh, fast approaching. Uh, Liv and I are doing our homework. Our our world famous oscar preview episode will be uh will be in the books relatively soon when is that may march oh geez okay good good i've been yeah it's very soon it's in a few weeks all right was it five Uh, or six weeks from now okay so i've been boning up on some some of my some of my movies and boning got uh got a good number under my belt and ready to talk about them so i'm looking forward to that um, good stuff. A lot of good, a lot of good movies. I think this is a good year. Yeah, for I'm really having a hard time going to see the last three. What do you got left? Phantom Thread, Call Me by Your Name, and The Post. Oh, so you've already seen The Water, um, Shape of Water? Yeah, so Shape of Water uh, at the beginning of January. Okay. All right. I got. I saw so when a friend of mine was in town, fortunately, because I was like, hey, that's something maybe I should go to with a woman." Yeah, I um. That's what's kind of holding me back from like "Call Me by Your Name" and "Phantom Thread." You know, it's like those are kind of hard movies to see. As a, I mean, I know obviously they're supposed to be good movies, but it's still weird to go see movies like that on your own. You know, yeah. have yeah, a story yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah, I've been um. I've been skirting the edges. I've seen a couple of the... Uh... March 4th, yes. Five weeks, man. Oh, okay, we got to get into it then. All right, I got some work to do. Because uh, I haven't seen many of the... Of Basically, the... four weeks after this weekend, yeah. I haven't seen many of the best picture ones. I've seen a couple uh, of the screenplay movies. I've seen a couple of the individual uh, actor-actress award nominees. Yeah, I saw Get Out unironically. Like, we just went to see that at the time. Okay. Um. I saw Roman Israel Esquire. I see Denzel's 
nominated for that. I actually saw that in December with my sister. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I did see Darkest Hour. I saw that a couple of weeks ago. Well, probably three weeks ago now because before the surgery because my dad really loves World War II stuff, so he really wanted to go see it. So we went to see it, you know? Um, like I'm saying, three billboards. I see Woody actually got a uh, support and actor nod for that. Um, you know, and, as well as Sam Rockwell, of course. I did not see All the Money in the World, which Christopher Plummer got nominated for, which is crazy because, you know, they just had, they just went back and reshot all the scenes that Kevin Spacey yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. was in, and Christopher Plummer got nominated for that. That's kind of crazy. I did not see The Florida Project, but I did hear that was a good movie. Willem Dafoe's nominated for that. Yep. Um, what else? What else? What else? You have uh, you didn't see Get Out? No. I haven't seen any of the best picture nominated movies except for The Post. Okay. So I got to get uh, out. Tanya, which didn't get nominated for best picture, which I think was a slight. Yeah, I um, saw that. Yeah. Uh, I saw Lady Bird last week. That was very good. Yeah. See, my mom and I have have built a little tradition over the years of uh of watching these movies because generally this is a time of year my dad uh goes out of town and and yeah. works because he tries to front load the year so he doesn't have to work during the summer or the or the back end of the year. Yeah. So yeah. typically he takes a lot of jobs and 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 gets out of town and now he's working 2 days a week up in the Poconos. So um my mom and I have started to watch um some of the movies. Watch Mudbound the other night. Uh, yeah, see Mudbound. You watch? Did you you watch it on Amazon? Yes. All right, all right. Because when you said that, I looked. I was like, it's not even around out at any of the theaters around here. You know, on uh, Netflix. I think it's a Netflix movie. Oh, Netflix. Okay. Maybe either Amazon or Netflix. Yeah, one of those. We watched it. We streamed it. Um, uh, good movie. Um, we watched uh, The Big Sick. Which was nominated for best original yeah, screenplay. Yeah, the reason that was one of those things where I was like, maybe I'll watch it, but I wasn't going to go to the theater to see it, even though everybody said it was a great movie because there was a love story attached to it. And, you know, like yeah. it's being single at those films. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw I Tanya. And Did you see Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Did what? Did you see Blade Runner twenty? <laughs> no, that I was not for best cinematography. I've not seen that. No, no, oh, I, really I, I never saw the original Blade Runner. So yeah, uh, I went. I just bought the original one on iTunes and watched it, and then went to see the movie. It well, was phenomenal. Yeah, I did something similar with uh, all the President's Men. Um, okay, knowing that I wanted to go see the post uh, in the theater, so I, I bought that on Amazon a couple weeks ago and watched that. Um, so we'll have some good I mean, stuff to talk about. Well, by the by the time this, because I mean, you didn't see Dunkirk, man. No, I've tried to. Uh, I've tried to, but but I couldn't. Yeah, and you know what? It sucks because that was a movie you really should have seen on IMAX and IMAX. Yeah, you know because it's that's part of. 
the greatness of that film is seeing it in that uh, format, you know? Yeah, I agree. No, I definitely agree. I mean, it was even shot with a lot of, you know, they, they specifically were using the large format cameras for a lot of the movie, too, you know? So it wasn't just like a movie that they put on IMAX, you know? Yeah. When it came out, that was a movie I wanted to see and, and just never got around to. You know how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a summer I, it was a summer blockbuster, right? Yeah, it probably came out in May or June, yeah. Yeah. See that's right in my in my busy time, so and Darkest Hour deals with like that's gone on in the background in Darkest Hour. Oh, yeah. all right. But no, watch them together. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they kinda are uh complimentary movies. All right, so get the popcorn ready, kids. Because we will uh, we'll come at you with that relatively soon. Um, other than that... Star Wars The Last Jedi is nominated for a musical, music, best original score. Is that all they got? Usually they get like some type of editing. Oh, they probably or... got... I'm just going... I'm just scrolling through the Academy Oscars.org right now. Gotcha. I'm sure they probably got a lot of technical nominations and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's usually in their uh sound yeah. editing there they are. Sound mixing, of course. Visual effects gotta be on here, yes. Along with the movies you would expect, like War for the Planet of the Apes, Kong Skull Island, Guardians of the Galaxy Two, and Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Those are the type of movies you see in those categories. Yeah. Adapted screenplay, Calling by Your Name, the, the, the Disaster Us, which I thought was a great movie, but unfortunately for James Franco, you know, between the Golden Globes and and um, the Oscar nominations, all the shit came out about his sexual assault or harassment or whatever it was, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, he the movie... And him would have been nominated if not for all that. You know? Yep. Yeah, so. Uh, it's funny, it's just gone like in the ether. All right, well, um, I'm going to see what I can see before uh, before the first week of March. Yeah, I mean, we've done that episode where we- we have seen none of the movies, but I always think it's a better episode when we actually do have something to uh, to base our predictions on. <laughs> yeah, you probably don't need to see Get Out with your mom, though, because I don't think your mom would probably enjoy that so much. Uh, that's probably true, however, and I'm not equating the movies on par whatsoever, but just to kind of give you a, uh, the the scope of her of her theatrical interests one of uh, her favorite movies that we had seen together was Django Unchained well yeah but I get that it's just that get out it's putatively a horror movie so there's some you know some some gore and is it gore yeah, or it's not psychological really that much but it's but there is some stuff that kind of makes you kind of turn your head at certain points of the movie all right all right, I might try to catch that this weekend then. That's something that I'm not going to watch with her. All right, cool. All right, man. Well, then on that note, 
with apologies to you probably should open it up to your mother sorry sorry <laughs> make, let her make the decision <laughs> i don't want to restrict your mother's uh, movie cinematic choices i think she'll appreciate that i think she'll appreciate that with apologies to girk's brother we'll see you guys next week yeah, uh, Buenas noches, Fredo, and um, and a begin- happy beginning of Black History Month, as Floyd reminded me today. <laughs> <laughs>